He goes, I'm a bad man. I'm a very bad man. I've done some very evil things. I said, man, where, what are you going to do? And he grabs me and hugs me and starts crying. He starts weeping. And he says, I need to repent. I need to repent. G'day, friends, or shall I say mates. Welcome again to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. On the show today, we travel around the world, way down south, and into tomorrow to Australia, and as always, hear a story of a life transformed. And today, we're in Melbourne talking to an associate evangelist with CFAN. Please welcome my good friend, Andrew Scarborough. Todd, it's so good to be with you and with all your listeners today. It's such a joy. Oh, thank you, man. It's so good to see you and uh, and be chatting with you again, man. How you been? I've been well. Been very good. Just came back from uh, your side of the planet, just back from Florida. And uh, yeah, so just got over the jet lag. Things are doing well. Family's well. I got three kids. And uh, I'm based here in Melbourne, just uh, constantly working on different different initiatives that we've got going on to really share the hope of Jesus with the world. And so things are going well. And how are things for you, Todd? Things, uh, things are good. Not as, as good as Florida. There's not, you know, the heat and the palm trees here where, where, where we're based out of here in Peterborough, Ontario. But hey, summer's coming. So it's, it's coming along. But things are doing well, man. Andrew, um, before we get into it, just I just threw out CFAN. Can you tell us what that stands for and, and what that organization is? Yeah, so CFAN is uh, Christ for All Nations, and uh, it's a ministry that was started ooh, over 40 years ago by a gentleman called Reinhard Bonnke, and he had a vision to see uh, all of Africa come to know Jesus. Uh, it was the vision he had was a blood-washed Africa. Um, so uh, that sounds very creepy, but really just that Africa would know what the blood of Jesus did um, for them and uh, the love of Jesus. And so he says, Cape Town to Cairo, that's what he wants to see. And uh, he actually passed away a couple of years ago, uh, but he left the ministry to a gentleman by the name of Daniel Kalenda. And so Daniel Kalenda and a whole team, he's now raising up hundreds with a vision of thousands of associate evangelists like myself. So he with the whole team are still going after Africa, but also other nations all around the world. Um, I'll be in the UK in a few weeks and then back to do some events in Australia. And so uh, Christ for All Nations or CFAN as they call it, uh, is always out there just sharing the love of Jesus. We're working on the Polish border uh, with Ukraine right now. Um, there's just stuff happening literally every continent, um, and it's good stuff. Love it. Yeah, that's that's great. And Reinhard was German, is that right? That's right. Reinhard Bonke, he was a German, lived in uh, Lesotho, I believe. Uh, so he was in the southern parts of Africa for a while and then eventually actually relocated to Orlando, Florida, so I was just over there at the headquarters um, just this last last week. Yeah. 
So it's really interesting to me how the Lord works, right? Reinhard being German, having this heart for the people of Africa, this being passed on to Daniel Kalinda, who's American, right? Sharing that vision. And now you, an, an Aussie, tied in with all of that. So, man, let's go back to the beginning for you, Andrew. Uh, give us a brief synopsis of where you grew up and, and how you grew up, if you grew up in the church or not, or what, what life was like for you, bro. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up um, as a son of uh, a Christian couple. My parents, uh, you know, they went to church. They're pretty conservative Christians. Um, and they went to uh, the Philippines and they saw people like living on the, on the rubbish, on the trash heaps uh, the, in these slums. And, and they were like, no, nah, we can't do uh, conservative uh, suburban uh, Australian Christian now and make a difference. And not to say that people living in suburbs that are conservative Christians <laughs> aren't making a difference. Well, I live in a suburb myself, but um, they really felt a call to go into Asia and they, uh, they went to Indonesia. So I was at the age of seven, I went from my kind of, I guess, standard childhood uh, here in Melbourne, Australia, to Indonesia, had a pet monkey, learned how to shoot spiders with a blow dart. I mean, it was, mm. it was fun. And then, um, and then my dad got really sick when I was 10. So we moved back to Australia and for five years, we kind of bounced around here and there. Um, I, I think I gave my life to the Lord when I was, sitting in the back seat of, a, of uh, our family car. Um, maybe my parents weren't driving too well. I don't know and I was <laughs> about where I was going to go. But I said to my parents, you know, what happens when we die? And they explained that, um, you know, Jesus has made a way for us to come back to God and that we can have that relationship with God. And I said, oh, well, I want it. So I prayed and asked Jesus to be in my heart. I think I asked Jesus to enter into my sister's heart as well. Um, just to make sure she was good in case we crashed. And then, um, but really it wasn't until uh, until my teen years that I, I really began to own my faith. And uh, going to Indonesia, we went, we ended up going as a family a second time when I was 16 and my parents have never left. Um, and so going to Indonesia and just seeing like, you talk to people in Indonesia there's no question about whether there's a God. The question is which one is God. Mm. I mean, there's spirits, there's angels, there's people are putting curses on each other. There's witch doctors. There's, you know, the interesting thing that you, you come to learn as you travel around the world is atheists would account for like the most minute percentage of people on the planet. Like maybe I don't have the exact stat, but it'd be like two or 3% of the world are atheists. You go, most countries in the world, it's not a question of is there a God, it's a question of who is God. And for me, um, Jesus just reached out and, and changed my life in a radical way. Um, I was a bit of a rebellious teenager. I was trying to find, I think with my family moving around and also my dad getting sick and just uh, different things, I felt like a bit of a disconnect, looking for approval, always looking for affirmation, especially from my dad. And he wasn't uh, fantastic at giving that. 
And so by the age of 19, I was drinking, I was clubbing, I was sleeping with my girlfriend. I was, um, I, I knew there was a God. I knew that he was real, but I had figured out at least I had come to a conclusion that I had messed my life up too much for him. And man, that's, um, that's when God really impacted me because I was walking around in a bar. I was thinking about how to kill myself and, man came up to me. I'd never met him before. I said, Hey man, do you love your parents? I mean, that is a weird question to ask a stranger. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I do. Why are you saying that? He said, God loves you so much and you have to come back to him. So, um, you know, I had a, a, a varied childhood in terms of moving around. Um, I had a, you know, a Christian upbringing. Um, but I think my personal journey was one of, um, God, I know you're real, but do you really love me with all my sin, with all my mistakes, with all, and from, you know, my, my dad or whatever. Um, and yeah, he, he, he rocked my world when I was 19 and I walked out of that bar, just snot and tears mixed together and cried out to God and it changed everything. Hey. Hmm. Wow. Total stranger. Yeah. Total stranger. He's not anymore. Cause I was like, dude, you just changed my life. <laughs> um, so I, I know who he is and, you know, every now and then, probably every two or three years I bump into him somewhere. Last time I bumped into him, um, I introduced him to my kids. So that was special, you know, to say, Hey, this is my son. This is my daughter. This is my other son. And Hey kids, this is the man that felt prompted to tell me about God and it changed my life. And, if it wasn't for him, his name is Nick. If it wasn't for Nick, uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd be here. I was so suicidal and 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 such such. Uh, yeah, I was pretty lost. Wow, so it was pretty special. So after that experience, when when he shared that with you, you come out of that bar, that club. What were the next? What were the next weeks like of just having this sort of experience that that really stretched yes. you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I went to, I went to his, uh, church. He was actually a pastor. He was, he was getting a a late night coffee. This place served alcohol, but it also served coffee. And so he'd popped in for a quick coffee and, um, and, uh, he said, Oh, you know, I had a, he didn't say this on the night, but he, on the night he said, Hey, come to my church. Like if you want to come love to have you but he let me know later on that he had a prophecy. So someone had said to him a year before, Hey, a year from now, you're going to meet a young man. You're going to heal him up and you're going to release him into ministry. And, um, so I started going to his church and he's like, I think this might be that young guy that a person was talking to me about a year, a year ago. And for a month, I just, I just cried. Like I just, I'd go to church I'd just sit there and cry and cry and cry. And I was, what I was doing was I was, I was really repenting. I was saying to God, God, I'm so sorry. You know, I knew all this stuff in my head, but I wasn't living it out. And, um, I just really, uh, began to, to, I guess you'd say, get right with God, you know, which we can't do by ourselves. We do it because of Jesus, but yeah, I was getting right with God and it was, uh, it was very special and, um, I started reading my Bible. I started 
you know, even talking to friends and just making some relationships right that I'd allowed to be damaged, talking to my parents, you know, letting them know, you know, that I love them, that I appreciate them and, and apologizing for some things. And yeah, it was good. It was a, it was a month. It was really a, a month of, of recovery. And then uh, I got a phone call from a, a church saying, Hey, can you come and help run this ministry? And then um, that was a, a ministry in high schools. So we did high schools Then I became a youth pastor, young adults pastor. We started our own church. Now I'm an evangelist. So how old were you when really all that happened? Changed. So this was when I was 19. Hmm. Yeah. And, and that's when everything changed. I mean, I was, I was studying journalism. I was, you know, um, I was not on a path to ministry when that man walked into the bar. Um, but once he walked in, you know, and, and I just knew, you know, there's a Bible verse that says, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And in that moment, I was like, oh, my gosh. I thought I had to be good enough. I thought I had to be good enough for God to love me. And in that moment, I realized you can never be good enough for God to love you. He comes to you. You don't come to him. And when he, yeah, of course we come to him, but he makes the first move. Yeah. And then we turn and we say, God, you know, so, yeah, it was good. It was uh what God can do when you see in that moment, I had a choice to make. I either, I either said, yeah, thanks buddy. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. And I, I, cho- I chose in that moment, I chose to receive what God uh, was offering me, which was a fresh start. Yeah. Wow. And so, so you got asked to be part of a, a ministry at a church and, and, Talk about, can you talk about that a little bit, what that was like? Uh, so, so you had some plans to do some normal jobs, but this totally tra- changed your life. You got right into, well, not right into, but essentially shortly thereafter into ministry. So talk about what that was like and what you started to see. And Yeah, well, you're taking me back now, Todd, I tell you. Let's go um, back, Andrew. <laughs> go back. So look, for me, uh, the... I think I think I looked at the world as, hey, this man did this for me. You know, he, he came up to me and shared Jesus with me and it changed everything. I mean, when you know the love of God, when you know you were knit together in your mother's womb, when you know that your life is not a mistake, that God cares for you, that he knows you, I mean, you know, that you can have victory over like sin and temptation and anger and self-hatred and all this. Oh my gosh. So I was like, I've got to share this with other people. And so, um, I was just looking for any opportunity I could to, um, to share the hope of Jesus with people and to tell people, you know, about who God was. And I guess originally I thought, well, the only way you, you know, can really do that, like, like, and actually give it a good go is if you're a pastor, you know, I've come, to learn since that we probably make heroes out of pastors when we should be making heroes out of plumbers, you know, yeah. we, we like the reality is the greatest impact you're going to have. If you've got that heart for evangelism being sharing Jesus, you know, is actually going to be when you're in the world, 
And so, um, but, you know, I just did my best. We were in schools and, and just praying with people, sharing the hope of Jesus with people, we ran a youth ministry. Um, I then became a youth pastor. That was, that was really special. You know, I'm literally, it, it's funny. Like we're this one kid in our, in our youth ministry and, uh, I just poured into these young people, just did my best, you know? And then, um, and then now what am I, I'm 35. So I was a youth pastor when I was in my twenties. I'm still seeing those young people like the fruit of me investing into their lives then. So like one guy, he showed up at my house, maybe I was his youth pastor for say two years. He showed up at my house probably five years after I was his youth pastor. He he called me, he said, I've got to come over now. I'm like, okay. He rolls into my driveway. He's in a stolen car. Wow. He just had a gun pulled on him. This guy's just tried to, you know, he's just threatened his life. Um, and he's like, I've got to get my life right. I'm dealing drugs. I'm driving a stolen car. I just had a gun pulled on me and I didn't know where to turn, but then I remembered you and can you pray for me? Well, that guy's now in ministry himself. He's doing work with the Salvation Army. He's done work over in Cambodia. Like he's going for it. And then, um, yeah, and I could tell you countless stories. So I just went from... I guess, you know, does my life have any purpose? Does God love me? You know, um, am I, am I good enough for God to, Oh my gosh, of course he loves me. Now I've got to get out there and invest into other people. And that's what I've been doing uh, ever since. And yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride. That's, that's so awesome. And it's, it's so amazing how, how God will use us no matter what our mess is, right? Whether it was you in the bar and having a stranger come up to you or whether it's this guy that you talk about that's, you know, on the edge of prison, obviously, and all that kind of stuff. But he remembers you, man, and asks for prayer. It's amazing. So I'm really curious because uh, of, of you just went to Africa. So and I was watching that on social media. So, um, and I can attest to the good listenership. I've actually spent some time precious as time with you, with Andrew and, uh, yeah, his heart is so genuine to reach people. And so since you've been back home, I've been following you on the social media and so saw, you know, what you posted on going to Africa. So can you tell us how you, how you became involved with CFAN and, and then, uh, share about your trip to Africa? Like you went to the school in in Florida. So how you got involved with it? Yeah. So, you know, um, oh man. So, you know, I've been cruising along doing pastoring ministry, doing evangelism ministry, you know, how Todd and I met, I was working with a ministry called Youth for Christ, you know, so I've worked with a ton of different ministries and that's been wonderful. Um, but probably a couple of years ago, I had a dream and uh, Reinhard Bonnke, who's since passed, he said to me in the dream, Andrew, why are you trying to build your own database when you could use mine? And I was like, what is that all about? And so I woke up in the morning because we were trying to launch our own ministry, get all this stuff happening. And it was a bit of a challenge. And I'm like, how do we build our database and all this? I wake up in the morning and I call I just Google Christ for All Nations, Reinhard Bonnke, Australia. Turns out there's an office in Australia. I call them up 
they say, hey, fly up, let's hang out. Um, so I fly up to, uh, to the Gold Coast in Australia here where there's a Christ for All Nations office. They've got 15 offices around the world. And so I sat with them and uh, as if God, like, wanted to confirm that there was something there, uh, the wife of the director of the office had a really bad back and she was going on vacation the next day to Thailand and she said, my back is just hurting me so much. So I said, let me pray for you. She was miraculously healed. So all the pain left her back and she was like, what the heck? And so this couple were like, who is this guy? You know, he has a dream, he flies up, you know, now the wife's getting healed. I mean, what is going on? So they said, dude, come to this thing called the School of Evangelism. So at the beginning of 2020, just before the COVID-19 pandemic, um, I flew to Orlando, Florida, and uh, I did this School of Evangelism. It's just four days learning from, from Christ for All Nations, how they do evangelism. Now, to give you context, Christ for All Nations holds records for the largest gatherings on the planet, aside from, like, the Pope. I mean, these guys have gathered like over a million people in one location. If you just Google, if you just go on YouTube or whatever and search Reinhard Bonnke Crusades, it's just seas of people. So they've reached already 84 million documented decisions for Jesus and uh, they're from all over the world. So I was like, yeah, I want to learn from these guys. This would be incredible. And those four days really really shook me fast forward uh it's the middle of 2021 it's july i have another dream and in the dream i see a stopwatch and i rolled over and i was like i need to do this evangelism boot camp so the way cfan works is they have you know four day trainings they have 10 day trainings they have you know six week trainings but their biggest training is a three-month training where they teach you everything you need to know about taking a region, a city, a nation for Jesus. And so um, basically they show you how do you go into a city and end up seeing, you know, a million people gathered and seeing hundreds of thousands of decisions for Jesus. And they, they literally show you everything you need to do to do, to see what they've seen. And so I rolled over and I applied for this boot camp at three o'clock in the morning. Um, literally rolled out of bed, grabbed my laptop, applied for it. Um, and it was starting in like four weeks. And then in the morning I told my boss at the time, Youth for Christ, said, Hey, um, I've applied for this boot camp. She's like, Yeah, whatever, you know, go for it, like go well. She I don't think she really realized I'd be gone like four or five months. <laughs> but man, I I got accepted and then we had two weeks to raise if we were going to bring the whole family, which I didn't want to go away from the family for like four or five months. We had two weeks to raise $60,000 and in two weeks, $60,000 came in. No wow. fundraising campaign, no GoFundMe page, no thermometer on my Facebook. Just people began to hear that I was going to go and do this boot camp. And the money just started pouring in. So, man, I did this boot camp. They train you up in how to do this. And then they actually take you over to Africa. In, in this instance, it was Nigeria. Wow. And you get to practice what they preach. 
you get to begin to reach people for Jesus. Well, in just three weeks, we saw just shy of a million people get saved. Wow. 200 and I think it was 249,000 of those we saw get saved prior to the large event. So there was a large event that we did that was fantastic. And there was 1.2 million total attendance over four nights. That was wonderful. But prior to that, we preached in villages, we preached in marketplaces, we preached on the street, and it was crazy. I mean, we're trekking into villages that we only found on Google Earth. We get in there, we ask the village chief if we can preach. We set up a a microphone, we start preaching. The whole village gets saved. I mean, these are Muslim villages. And you're talking to the chief and you're saying, do you really know what you're doing? He's like, man, I'm 86 years old. It's time I give my life to Jesus. And we just saw so many salvations. We saw miracles. Like I prayed for one lady, 12 years blind, and then she could see. We prayed for people that were deaf, then they could hear. One of the teams, so we were 86 of us in the country, um, broken up into smaller teams of, of four or five. One of the teams literally saw an amputee, saw their arm grow out like 10 centimetres. I mean, it was a wild trip. And uh, at the end of it, you know, we, we went home and, and we just, I literally, I could not believe what I just experienced. So fans changed my life. I go to the UK in a week. We've got stuff in Sydney. Um, we're raising up other evangelists to get out there and do this stuff themselves. And the reality is, I mean, I've never seen the world is shaken, man. Wars, pandemics, financial challenges. I've never seen such a hungry world. Like I was talking to some people the other day at a, a yard sale we had because we're looking at selling a house and moving to to Orlando and um, being being based where the headquarters is. We had a yard sale. I was talking to this couple. They're not Christians. They wouldn't call themselves followers of Jesus. They said, we have never been more open to God. And they said, it's not just us, it's all of our friends as well because mm. the world's been so shaken. So these are exciting times, they're challenging times, but, uh, man, Africa was wild, absolutely wild. And uh, we had, we even, oh, man, I could tell you stories. It was, it was flipping epic. Well, and uh, I tell you, there's nothing like jumping in to uh, what God has for you. This is the show where we like to hear stories. Tell me, tell me, tell me another story, <laughs> and then take me with you next time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, geez, uh, l- l- let me tell you a story from Orlando because I think you know I can tell you these stories from uh, from Africa, and people go, "Oh, wow, that's wild," you know, and um, you know, whole villages getting saved. And, and, um, oh, you know, just crazy miracles. Oh, look, I'll tell you one story from Africa and I'll tell you one story from Orlando because I want people to see that this happens in the West as well. Like it's not just a, oh, wow, you know, God changes lives in Africa, but no one's lives get changed in, in North America or Australia or Europe. Or Yeah, that's so, that's that's good because we, we had, uh, yeah, I appreciate that because we had um, a lady named Heather Rodine on the show a while back and she has a ministry in Haiti and all kinds of crazy stories and demonic stuff and things that happen in Haiti and 
in North America in the West, we seem tend to, oh yeah, that's, that's Haiti, that's Africa, but you're right. So yeah, please carry on. Yeah. Yeah. So Nigeria, here you go. One from Nigeria, one from Orlando. So I woke up one morning, we were in Nigeria and I don't know why, but I just felt like I want to see a dead person race today. You know, that was like the first thought that came to my mind when I woke up. And usually, you know, when, when you become a Christian, God sends you his, his spirit to live in you, you know, his Holy Spirit. And so um, your thoughts begin to be his thoughts, you know. So I have this thought, man, I want to see a dead person raised today. And so I sat and I prayed and I said, God, I'd love to see a dead person raised today. And I just felt God say, hey, Andrew, it's super fun, hey. And I was like, what? He's like, it's so fun because it gets the attention of the whole region Mm. and people are open to the gospel, you know. So I'm like, cool, let's do it. So anyway, get in the car and uh, we head out in our van. So every day we'd go out in our van and we would literally just set up on the side of the street anywhere and just start preaching the gospel. And uh, we had two armed security with us because pretty wild. There are a few people that weren't too happy with us, you know, turning the city upside down for Jesus. And um, we had translators, we had pastors. So it was a whole crew in this van. We'd pull up, we'd get on the back of uh, a truck turn the speakers on and start preaching. So we start preaching and my, one of my fellow uh, evangelists, she says, you know what? I think we're going to see a dead person raised today. And I'm like, come on. And she said, I had a picture of a baby. I'm like, okay, come on. Maybe God's speaking here. We get praying and we say, I pray. I speak to every dead body under the sound of my voice and I commanded to come back to life in Jesus' name. And this lady is listening to us preach, and she comes over and she says, I need to tell you something. We're like, yeah, yeah, tell us. She goes, I'm pregnant, and I can feel my baby move every day. But for the past three days, the baby has not moved in my belly at all. Hmm. And when the moment you prayed, I speak to every dead body, under the sound of my voice, and I command you to come back to life. My baby started kicking and punching and doing somersaults and just like moving around in there. She goes, I think, I think there's been a miracle in my womb. And she gave her life to Jesus. And I just turned to my friend. I was like, man, I get in the van. I say, dead person raised. You say baby. And now here we are standing with this woman a couple of hours later. And she's like, I think my baby just came back to life in my womb when you were praying and she gives her life to the Lord. I mean, it was wild. Anyway, so fast forward to Orlando. This is just another story. And I have hundreds of these stories. You see, the gospel works. You've just got to preach it. And so we're in Orlando and, um, and I'm doing an outreach. And when I say doing an outreach, what I mean is we're, we're just getting ready to uh, preach the gospel uh, in, a, in a neighborhood. It was actually a pretty rough neighborhood um, in, uh, in Orlando. And so we're getting ready to preach the gospel and, um, and we've got jumping castles and hot dogs and fairy floss and it's like an event, you know, where, where you put on all this fun stuff and then people come and, and you give, do giveaways and all this and then you share about the message of Jesus for those that want to receive it, they receive it. For those that don't, they have a great time. They eat some candy, candy floss or whatever you call it. Um, 
cotton candy, that's what you call it. And so anyway, we're setting up and this guy shows up and he would have been maybe in his like 60s, um, looked like pretty pretty rough kind of guy, uh, pretty, pretty uh, you know, missing a few teeth and just uh, he rolls in, he says, hey, man, um, I'm not here for your outreach thing, your Jesus thing. I just want the free hot dog. I'm like, okay. I said, come with me. I'll get you a free hot dog. Well, I go over to the hot dog stand and the hot dogs aren't quite ready. So I said, can I get a, a hot dog for my new friend? And, and uh, so we're waiting for the hot dogs to come out. And I, I turned to him and I said, hey, man, where are you at with the Lord? Where are you at with Jesus? And he goes, oh, well, you know, my mom, she was a, you know, a, a minister and, and she was, she was a believer and my sister, she was a minister and, you know, and I go, mate, that's fine. It's all good. Where are you at with the Lord? Oh, well, you know, like my sister, like she, she goes to church and no, 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 no. Where are you at with the Lord? And he looks at me and he goes, I'm a bad man. I'm a very bad man. I've done some very evil things. I said, man, where, what are you going to do? And he grabs me and hugs me and starts crying. He starts weeping and he says, I need to repent. I need to repent. And he hugged me. I mean, no joke, for over three minutes when he let go, um, I said, what's your name? You know, we got to know each other. And then I said, come along to church. He was at church the next Sunday. Now, I'm a firm believer that church shouldn't just be on a Sunday. It should be throughout the week as well. So I said, come to our house for a meal. So he comes to our house for a meal. I find out he's just gotten out of 35 years in prison. Wow. He gives his life to the Lord. He's now reconciling with his wife. He got baptized while I was in Nigeria and he's being discipled by a local church. He's reading his Bible. He's getting his life straightened out. But this is the thing. You know how it happened? One of my friends handed him a flyer at a gas station and said, hey, there's an outreach. And then he rolls over to the outreach and he's, he just wants the hot dog. Yeah. But then someone, a stranger, someone he's never, ever met, like what happened to me, looks him in the eye and says, where are you at? And so I guess, you know, my encouragement to anyone and everyone listening right now is where are you at with God? Where are you at with the Lord? Um, because, you know, God is knocking on the door of your heart and you have a choice to make. And I had a choice to make when I was in that bar and you have a choice to make right now. If you're not walking with God, do you want to get right with God? Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Because he's standing there and you have a choice to make. And, you know, my friend in Orlando, he's, he, he made that choice and it's changed his whole life. And God taking what's broken, taking what's messed up and healing it and restoring it. And I just encourage um, everyone, you know, he's, he's there, he's ready, he's available. He just loves you so much. And I've seen him change lives um, all over the planet and he can change anyone's life if we just come to God. Hey. Yeah. Wow, that's a that's a great story. That's a great story. What's uh, what's next for you, Andrew? Like you said, you're going to the UK. What's the next couple of months look like for you with this? 
Yeah, so so in a few weeks we'll go to the UK, raise up other evangelists uh, in a thing called the Fire Camp. So it's a ten day training um, for young evangelists. We'll train other people up in how to share the gospel, how to preach, how to give an altar call, all of that. Um, then I'll come back to Australia. I'm taking my family with me to the UK. So then, yeah, we'll come back. Then I'll duck up to Sydney, Australia, run another one of those camps. And then um, that takes us into like July, August. I'm looking at potential trip into Southeast Asia. And then, uh, yeah, and then we're really just asking the Lord, where does he want to put us next? What does that look like? Um, You know, I have a unique role, I guess, in that I'm fully like I'm a volunteer, like we live by faith, people, we can only do what we, and at the same time I travel all over the world um, and by God's grace we see incredible things happen. But it's unique for a family, you know, my wife and my kids, me coming and going. So we're just trying to work out um, where would the Lord have us base ourselves so that they have the best support they have, but also so that, I'm around like-minded people because, to be perfectly honest, there's not a lot of people, um, at least in my suburb, in my in my you know in my world right now, that are thinking about how do we take a nation, how do we reach a city for Jesus, how do we, you know, and uh, so yeah, we're just working out where where we go next. Um, but in the meantime, there's no wasted time and. We're, we're staying busy sharing the hope of Jesus with anyone and everyone we can, and um, especially through these camps one day. Um, love to see what what's possible as we keep training up others. Uh, CFAN has a vision. It's called the Decade of Double Harvest. We want to reach 150 million people for Jesus. That's documented decisions for Jesus in the next, uh, it's now eight years. So it was it was a decade, but that's come down. Um, and we're on track to reach 150 million people over the next uh, eight years with the gospel. And how we do that is through multiplication. So we've got to raise up other evangelists to reach the lost. Daniel Kalender can't do it all by himself. He doesn't want to do it all by himself. He wants to raise up other people, evangelist Daniel Kalender. And that's my heart as well. That's the heart of C fan. Train people up, send them out on and uh, yeah, the world needs Jesus. Hey. Amen. Amen. Well, if you do end up uh, in Orlando, um, you know, I could just boogie down. It's like a 24, 25 hour drive. I could come down and see you for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'm on somebody. Hey, um, Todd, there's this thing. It's going to blow your mind. It's called airplanes. If you can, you know, take a plane. But uh, I understand that's challenging at times in Canada at the moment too. So who knows? If you want to drive, drive on down. Um, you, you could even get a boat down the coast and just park it. There's some good fishing down there as well. So oh yeah, uh, we'd love that. I want to come to Canada, Todd. That's what I want to do. Things uh, well, we'd love to have you back here. Things are big money in Canada. In the states, you can fly all over. It's reasonably priced, but here, here it just costs a fortune to fly you know, close. It's, it's crazy. So Uh, drive on down. Then you got a car when you get there and we can explore the Florida keys. Come on. (laughs) I'll bring maple syrup, bro. Oh, please do. Uh, Andrew, I got a question. Um, 
So really cool stories of what happened to you in the bar. And you talked about how you were going through all kinds of stuff and you were suicidal. Um, you know, different things of people in these villages in Africa, this guy that did 35 years in prison and where's he at with the Lord. What would you say to somebody, Andrew, that, that had a great job, had a wife and kids, had, had it all together, didn't have an addiction, didn't, wasn't in prison, right? You know, there's those people that feel like, well, I don't have all those things. So I appreciate your story and it's awesome that you got out of it, but you know, things are good for me. What would you say to that person, bro? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, the first thing I'd say is, uh, sometimes we, we think that, oh, you know, I, I don't need God, but the reality is, you know, someone once said there's two things certain in life, death and taxes. So the reality is, you know, death is a part of life and you are one day going to stand before God. And the reality is, um, you know, the death is coming, you know, um, and it comes to all of us and we need to be thinking about where are we going to spend eternity? Um, also, I would say, you know, we can exist in this world. We can have a good job. We can have a nice family. But when you come to know Jesus, it's just next level. It's a whole nother level of joy, of peace, of freedom. You've got a little glimpse into it now, but man, when you get to know Jesus, it's just a whole nother level. But, you know, I'll, I'll finish on this story because I think it helps people that, that say, oh, look, you know, I just don't need this. And it's a story of a young spider. You know, you might say, a spider? What's that got to do with anything? Just just hear me out. There's this young spider and he's out in a field and he's enjoying his life. He's He's been alive for maybe a week now. The sun's shining in the evenings. He, he gets to eat other little bugs and, and life is good. The grass is growing. One day a ladybug comes up to him and this ladybug says to the spider, um, hey, I need to warn you. I've been around here for a while and I need to warn you, young spider. Um, there is a, a guy, he comes by, he'll be here in a couple of days and he cuts the grass, he mows the lawn. And you don't want to be here when he comes because, you know, you'll die. Like, you don't, you don't want to do that. And uh, the young spider says, whatever. He says, I've been living here, you know, for, for a week now. And every day the sun's shining and the grass is growing and I get to eat other bugs and life is good. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I can't see this, um, this mythical uh, lawnmower, this guy cutting the grass, you know. Actually, I'm going to eat you because to me and you've somehow you think you can just tell me this revelation and I'm not interested in what you've got to say. And the spider eats the ladybug. Goes to bed, wakes up the next day, everything's fantastic. But then here's this noise. And the spider looks up. And sure enough, there's a lawnmower coming towards the spider. The spider is sucked up into the blades and dies. And friend, that's what it could be like for you and I if we look at Christians, if we look at the the uh, the message of Jesus with content, if we look at 
this. We say, look, life is good. I don't need you, God. But then suddenly there's a car accident. Suddenly there's cancer. Suddenly there's death knocks on your door. And now you're faced with the reality that there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is a God. And I'm telling you right now, God's knocking on the door of your heart. He loves you too much to just leave you with your nice life. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to give you joy and freedom and peace that is greater than anything you could ever experience on your own. So I'd encourage you to call out to Jesus while there's still breath in your lungs. Call out to Jesus today. That's a great story. That's a great analogy. Great story, bro. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a joy to be with you. And I'd encourage people to call out to Jesus and to call yourself and share the hope of Jesus today. Thanks for having me on the show, Todd. Appreciate it, Andrew. We'll chat soon, brother. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our show today, friends. Check out CFAN, YouTube CFAN. See some of the stories, some of these crusades Andrew was talking about. You can follow Andrew on Facebook, Andrew Scarborough. Some really powerful testimonies of his experiences around the world. And the big question, where are you with the Lord, friends? Where are you with the Lord? Where are you with the Lord?